season's going to end on a double doink. Doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know that idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea and then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh the doctor laugh. is now in. Good Tuesday afternoon to ya. Every time I say Tuesday afternoon, I think about the Moody Blues. I don't know, that'll make Frank happy. I like the Moody Blues as well, too. See? Very versatile, eclectic musical choices I have. Alright, glad to have you with us here at Tuesday. You know what that means? Terrible Tuesday takes and thoughts. We've got plenty of that for you. We'll get kicking into that today. And also, uh, the Raiders making some cuts today, getting down to their... Uh, roster limit of 80 right now. So they'll get down to 53 here in a couple weeks, but uh, some cu- roster cuts today made. We've got uh, that, and we've got some great guests lined up today. The coach, Houston Nutt, will be joining us. The former Ole Miss, Arkansas, Boise State head coach, does a fantastic job on the CBS Sports Network. And uh, with college football on the horizon this weekend, we thought, let's have the coach on. And maybe get a little little barbecue update, too, from down in Houston. So Houston Nutt will join us today. And the champ, Showtime Sean Porter, the two-time welterweight champ, he is getting ready for his next fight. So appreciate him joining us today, taking some time out of training. And, of course, Showtime Sean P., part of the PBC Fox broadcast, the pay-per-view from last Saturday night, Manny Pacquiao losing to your Dennis Ugas. And, of course, Sean Porter defeated Ugas. It was the last fight that Ugas lost was to Sean Porter in that split decision about a year and a half ago. So uh, we know Sean had some thoughts. Uh, he was one of our guys that made predictions that uh, I posted and tweeted out last week. And and Sean thought Manny Pacquiao is going to knock him out within five. And with everyone else talking about distance fight, distance fight, everyone was picking Pacquiao to win. But Sean, who got in the ring with Ugas who's actually sparred with Manny Pacquiao in the past. I was a little bit surprised that he said, hey, yo, no, Manny's going to knock him out within five. So uh, I don't know if I'll bring that up with him today or not, but uh, look, always look forward to talking to Showtime Sean Porter, one of our great friends, and uh, just uh, always fun having him on. Well, I think you should bring it up with him. I think you should bring it up with him because say, okay, so what happened? I mean, has, has, has Zugats improved? Did he have a better game plan? Was Manny being 42 and not fighting in a couple of years? I mean, what exactly happened? Because, you know, you think you have an idea what's going to happen, and then kind of the exact opposite does. So, you know, I mean, hey, we've all made wrong predictions before. Show me somebody who's never made a wrong prediction, and I'll show you somebody who's never put their prediction out there. And that's what I appreciate, too, is that, you know, when I asked him, uh, last weekend, you know, before I, I posted that, I said, you know, because again, he's on the broadcast, he's on the media, you know, in, in on this telecast. So I said, hey, is it okay to publish your prediction? And he says, no, absolutely. And I know he appreciated me asking him, but you have to be careful of things like that when you are actually involved in the fight. When your promotion, we've seen Al Bernstein refrain from making predictions, you know, when it's a showtime fight. And that was a part of the beauty when we had Al on last Friday saying, no, yeah, I, I'm going to go as a fan. So here I go. I can make my prediction with you. So, yeah, like we don't know if Al likes Jake Paul or Tyrone Woodley. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he likes either one. But bottom line is that's his assignment this week. And he's got to broadcast it. And he likes the undercard. Yeah. You know, it, it, which is which is interesting because when you have the boxing announcer who's saying, look, you know, I know a lot of people don't go to fights for undercards a lot. This is a card you want to go for the undercard for if you're an actual boxing fan. Right. And then you can see the other three-ring circus aspects of it as well. So. And we've talked a lot about that, too. They need to do that, especially if Showtime is going to be involved in it. You can't just put out that garbage and, and do the circus fights. You can't because those people will not watch. They're not watching. And that's why they thought, okay, we'll have our you know, two comedians on there. We'll do the, have them on the play-by-play. That worked out horribly. So now they're learning, you know what? We're Showtime Championship Boxing, so we have to show championship boxing on our, on our broadcast. Okay, we've got this Jake Paul thing we have to do, so let's at least you know, stack it with either uh, you know, a couple minor title fights or something that you know, boxing fans are going to tune into. Yeah, and, and, and again, you don't have to put a concert around it and have yeah. more singing and dancing or whatever they're 
heck all that stuff was than the other stuff. And that's for and, the offshoot, and, that, yeah, you know, the YouTubes and all that stuff. That's yeah. what brings in the, the yeah. non-boxing yeah. revenue and fans and everything else. And I also thought it was funny when uh, when Al told uh, Jake Paul that, hey, this is the first time I'm going to be doing one of your fights or watching it, that I'm not going to have a contact yeah. guy while I'm doing it. So <laughs> guess Snoop Dogg is off this one. But I still wouldn't eat the brownies in the press box. Oh, good point. All right, uh, we've got NFL news to talk about, uh, too, a little bit later on. Cam Newton, we touched upon it yesterday, unable to practice this week due to a misunderstanding of COVID protocols. So Mac Jones has the opportunity to possibly win that job. We've got some audio from Bill Belichick. We'll hit on that. But, of course, you know what today is? It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, as we know, we had a really busy weekend here in Las Vegas, specifically on Saturday. You had the fight, Manny Pacquiao, your Dennis Uga, 17,000 plus there. Uh, the Aviators, they had a home game where they drew 7,700 people. They had exciting uh, games in that. A lot yeah. of late inning heroics going back and forth. The lights played. Uh, they didn't announce their crowd, but I think it was around probably two or 3,000. And then, of course, the biggest crowd was at SummerSlam, where the WWE came into town on Saturday. Yes, the home of SummerSlam. And as you know, 51,000 people at Allegiant Stadium. People were looking forward to this. It was a four-hour ordeal. Some people thought, well, I didn't know it was going to be that long. But people were pumped up. Wrestling fans were pumped up, ready to see the superstars of wrestling. And you know what can happen when you go to these events. You can get a little bit hungry. You can get thirsty. But that was an issue if you wanted to buy some food or drinks or even alcoholic beverages at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday because the cash registers stopped working into the four-hour ordeal. Yes, there was a glitch in this system where fans couldn't use their credit card. Well, this is a major problem at Allegiant Stadium. You know why? Because it's cash only. Or, I mean, credit card only. There it's is a, no cash. It's a cashless system. And still, we've talked about it at Raider Games, and a lot of people still don't realize that. But when you go to Allegiant Stadium, you have to purchase your food and beverage with a credit card. It is a cashless venue. So, yeah, actually, this was a nationwide problem. So a lot of people wanted to hate on the Raiders. They wanted to blast Allegiant Stadium. But it was with the company that provides the software for these cash registers. And uh, this also actually happened at a few other stadiums on Saturday night, including Petco Park in San Diego, where it also uh, you know, affected the fans there. Now, this problem wasn't fixed until a little bit after 9 p.m., so at least people at Petco Park, they, they got back into the swing of things because I believe their game started a little bit after 7 o'clock. But SummerSlam was long over. I mean, the gates opened at 2.30, 4 o'clock was the first match, yep. and, and people were exiting the building around 8 o'clock. But, uh, yeah, uh, not a good look for the first time uh, people are going to Allegiant Stadium and not being able to uh, purchase anything, and the lines were long. It was a nightmare. Well, it was a nightmare, but now I was not there, but from reports I've heard on the news and from some people I knew that were there, there was a saving grace to the whole thing because after a while, because the crowd was getting so irate in that, they just started handing out food. Started handing out food and drinks. I don't know if they were handing out alcoholic beverages or not, but I know that they were handing out some hot dogs and pret- whatever else there. So somebody even tweeted out that they were handing out T-shirts. That was that was fake news trying to make people that weren't there jealous or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, although there was still no cash involved, there was also no credit cards, but... If you were patient enough to wait in the lines, then you might have got some freebies. Now, I don't know if you missed matches while you were waiting for that stuff or whatever, but, yeah, definitely a glitch. And I guess the one saving grace also here for Vegas is that even though there were two sporting events going on at the same time, apparently T-Mobile doesn't have the same system they have at Allegiant, so Correct. during the fight, right. people could still purchase their stuff right. at Allegiant. Well, wait in line and hope you get something free or else go back to your seat and just complain that, 
Can't even get a beer or a water. Yeah, now I also heard that they were not serving alcohol at the main concession stands. And I think there might have been alcohol served, you know, maybe in some of the private areas. But at the main concession stands where you get your hot dogs and your nachos and your burgers and all that sort of thing, uh, you know, uh, alcohol was, was not available there. But that wasn't the only problem that transpired Saturday night at Elysian Stadium. So we talked about the... The, the problem with the, with the concessions, the other problems were, well, the Wi-Fi was out. The Wi-Fi didn't work. Uh, the PA system wasn't working. So the WWE uh, had to travel with their, with their own system there. And from the reports I heard, it was horrendous. So you did not have your regular PA system, which was a real downfall. You had no pyrotechnics as well. And that is a big deal for the WWE. Because Absolutely. That, so you had none of that. But there was one other problem that happened. The toilets overflowed. Now that was on that was on the main floor, right? On the first floor. I believe, yeah. It was at several restrooms. But yeah, Wi-Fi out, no pyrotechnics, PA system not working, toilets overflowing, and yes, you couldn't purchase your food and beverages. And uh back to your point what you said about they were they were handing out food. So apparently when they the food that they already pre-made, those are the, the items they just started giving right. out to people. Yeah, because they're yeah. going to go bad anyhow, and right. they don't want to throw them away, yeah. so let's give yeah. somebody something. Yeah. And you know you know how I'm always a ray of sunshine on this show. Oh, yes. So, you know, it, at least if there's going to be toilets backing up, at least it was just on the first floor, because if it was on the second or third, then it might be dripping down on the people on the first and second <laughs> floors than that, too. So it could have been worse. See, I'm always looking for the bright spot. Ain't no sunshine when he's gone. Ain't no sunshine when there's toilet water dripping on your head. There you go. <laughs> Shikari Richardson. You remember Shikari, right? Yes. Uh, the colorful hair, going yeah. to the Olympics, said she was going to win gold, and then... Yeah. Found out, no, you're not even going to the Olympics because you smoked a joint. That's right. Smoking the ganja. Well, she was back in action, basically at the same spot where they told her you're not going to go to the Olympics there in Oregon at the Olympic trials. They had the Prefontaine Classic, uh, the annual event there, the 100 meters, and this was the who's who was going to be in the women's 100 meters. Basically, just about everybody who was in the Olympic Games or who was uh, a, a viable threat to win a medal was at this event. And yes, uh, she's racing against the who's who, and she was supposed to do quite well in this race, but Shikari Richardson, well, she finished ninth. So she finished top ten. You know how many people were in the race? Oh, there was nine. Correct. (laughs) She finished dead last. She was dead last. And she decided to have something to say about it afterwards. This is one race. I'm not done. You know what I'm capable of. Count me out if you want to. Talk all the shit you want. Because I'm here to stay. I'm not done. I'm the sixth fastest woman in this game ever. And can't nobody ever take that from me. Okay, she said the sixth fastest woman in this game. Well, you know... I think what she's trying to say, she thinks that she's the sixth fastest woman in the world, I guess, as far as best times. But you know what that means to me? It means to the general public that's hearing that, uh, you finished in sixth place. No, you didn't. You finished in ninth place. You finished in dead last. So why couldn't you just take in the high road and say, you know what? Uh, I didn't do well today. I got to get back to training. Yeah, this whole Olympic thing threw me off. Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. But I don't know if you saw this race or not. She wasn't even in the picture. I mean, this it wasn't like photo finish or anything of that nature. She was links and links behind the, the fourth and fifth place finisher. Oh, yeah, no. no she what am I talking close. about? The sixth and seventh, eighth place finisher. She, she was in, I believe it was lane four, so she was right in the middle of the track because they expected her to go out and blow everybody away. It was kind of like her showcase. She also went on to say, well, you know, I kind of took a month off, and then it's like, what, you didn't know this meet was coming up? You told us during the Olympics you were going to be training, and the next time out you were going to blow everybody away. You said you were going to win a gold medal. Well, Jamaica got gold, silver, and bronze. Nobody from the United States even medaled. You mentioned your fastest time. You're the sixth fastest of all time. Okay, you had one race where you ran that. If you ran that time, the fastest you ever did, that would have barely got you by a hundredth of a second the silver medal, and that's if you ran the best you ever ran in that race. You still wouldn't have won the gold. I have nothing against her, 
But right now, it's all talk. You can't call everybody out, say how you're the greatest out there, and wait till after the Olympics. I'm going to show everybody that I'm the best and finish ninth out of ninth. You and I could have been in that race in her place, and we would have finished in the same spot she did. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a horse race where one of the horses just can't get out of the gate. And they're just so far behind from the beginning. That's what this looked like. When I saw her trailing, like I said, okay, is she pulling up lane? No, she's sprinting. She just got beat by eight other women that were much better than her. Plain and simple. And here's the thing. She started the interview out okay. It said, okay, she's going to be a little bit humble. But it took her about four seconds before she went in the other direction. Starts talking about, oh, you want to count me out and talk, you know, bleeps out the S word there. No, that was garbage. But here's the dealio. Okay, give some credit to the woman who won this rate, Elaine Thomas Raw. She was the winner in 10.54. It's the second fastest time ever behind Flojo. So, yes, uh, right now, Shikari Richardson, she looks to be a circus sideshow. She looks it, and she acted like it, and she raced like it on Saturday. Yeah, she raced like she was high or something. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you just made a horse racing comparison there. Oh, yes. So I I got a story for you. Now, it's Terrible Tuesday, and this happened a long time ago, but I came upon this story recently, and I thought, you know what? A lot of people don't probably even know this story. So I figured I would share it today. You ever heard of Frank Hayes? Frank Hayes. Who's he play for? Frank Hayes, uh, well, he didn't play for anybody, (laughs) but he was a jockey at Belmont Racetrack. He was born in 1901, died June 4th, 1923. So he wasn't old. He was only 22 years old. He was a jockey trying to cut weight. He wasn't big because most jockeys aren't, but he was a steeplechase jockey. So he entered a steeplechase race on Sweet Kiss, a 20-to-1 shot in the steeplechase race at Belmont Park on Belmont Park on June 4th, 1923. As he got on the horse, he had weighed 142 pounds. He had to cut 12 pounds relatively quickly. That doesn't sound like a lot in today's world with the MMA fighters and that, but they didn't have the same technology that we have today. So he got on Sweet Kiss. The race went off. Sweet Kiss was performing quite well. Was going over the hurdles. Was going over the hedges. Went across the finish line, and Sweet Kiss won the race. Sweet Kiss is your winner at 20 to 1. Frank Hayes is the winner. Down the stretch they come. It's Sweet Kiss with the win. So the horse goes across the finish line. He turns around and starts walking back towards the winner's circle. The owners of Sweet Kiss are ecstatic. They just won the steeplechase race. Yeah. They're running yeah. down to congratulate yeah. Frank on his victory. As they go to pat him and say, good job, they notice something. Frank was dead. <laughs> what? Frank Hayes had a heart attack during the race. They're not sure exactly when. They think it's because he cut so much weight so rapidly, but he never fell off the horse. He was still on the horse as it crossed the finish line. That's a win. So he got the win. Frank Hayes won the steeplechase race, died at some point. They don't even know exactly where. So the celebration and picture taking, well, that kind of put a damper on that. Sweet Kiss still got the victory, but they never raced Sweet Kiss again because they were just so upset about the whole situation. So Frank Hayes is the only jockey known that won a race as a dead man Dying on the track. Now, he might have actually died right at the finish line. We just don't know. By the way, Sweet Kiss, as he went out to pasture and would roam around, the people in the town no longer called him Sweet Kiss. His new name was Sweet Kiss of Death. <laughs> so, they could have taken his picture, uh, you know, on, on the horse there. It could have been Weekend at Bernie's. It could have been Weekend at yeah, Frank's. Yeah, there it is. Absolutely. There Frank's Farm or whatever. So uh, I, I guess Frank bought the farm. They, I mean, they should have just, you know, di- you know, put the shades on him like they did at Weekend the Bernie's. Blinkers. Yeah. Put, put the blinkers on him because yeah. it's a horse race. Exactly. Yeah, take the picture. No one would have known the difference. Announce it later. Oh, 1923 died yeah. during the race. And again, because they don't have the cameras in that that they do today, right. they don't even know exactly what point he died. If he was dead before he went over the last hedge, and he still stayed on the horse. That is it. And kudos to the horse. The, the jockey wasn't leading him towards the winner's circle, but he knew where to go. Why, why do I feel bad chuckling and laughing at this story? I don't know, but I did too. That's why I wanted to share it because I don't know if it's terrible, funny, or just, hey, it was 1923, so it is almost 100 years now. <laughs>
<laughs> Let's go to French League Soccer. This is for you, H-Man. French League Soccer. Nice is hosting Marseille. Nice is leading 1-0 in the 74th minute. Uh-oh, and here we go. As we know, fans are back at the stadiums. And here we go in Nice. Water bottle is thrown from the crowd and hits the Marseille star player in the head. The player reacts. He's ch- uh, chomping at the crowd, kicks the ball into the stands, actually hits a spectator as he kicks the ball into the stands. And here comes the boom. More bottles, more debris come flying down from the crowd. Both, team, both teams start pushing and shoving each other. And then what? Here come the fans on the pitch. It becomes total chaos. Unlike the NWC, total chaos. Yes, game is suspended for over an hour. So they try to restore order here. And then the Nice president addresses the crowd. Armed guards are called in to line up on the pitch uh, to to tell everyone, please relax. We're going to get the uh, the match uh, you know, started up, up again. Okay. So after an hour passes, play is ready to resume. Nice comes on the pitch. They're ready to go. Fans are back in the stands, those ones that weren't ejected or, you know, or sent to jail. But Marseille, eh, not so much. Marseille refuses to come back out on the pitch. So no more match. How do you rule it? I would rule it a no contest, or else I guess maybe you could give a forfeit to the one team. But if the if they were trying to restore the game, I, I, I think a no contest is what I would officially make it. Yeah. So, as we know, soccer has some strange rules, and depending on which league or which country you're in, and you have different terminology as well. Now, when I first heard this reported, okay, uh, an American outlet said it was a forfeit. It was one nothing. Nice wins. Marseille refused to... You know, take take the pitch again. So they said, no, too bad. We're ready to play. Even though they had legitimate concerns, their star player was hitting the head. You are on the road. And there was a ton of water bottles and trash coming yes. down there. And like you said, yes. when the fans yes. came yes. down, yeah. there was a lot of fans. I, I'm, I was surprised it only right. took an hour to restore right. some kind of order. Right. So then I saw another story because I want to know what is the what happened here? How do you count this? In the standings or in the table, as, as they say in, in, in soccer. In how did William soccer. Hill handle the betting well, over there? Exactly. Well, <laughs> we know how they handle it because they didn't play the required minutes of match. Okay, ah. With soccer, you got to go at least 85. So 74th minute, boom. So uh, one site said suspended. No, I'm sorry, postponed. Another said suspended. But the official documentation in the French League says this match was abandoned. Abandoned. My first time I ever heard of an abandonment in a sports event. Did they take the match to the orphanage afterwards since it was abandoned? I mean, that'd be be terrible. The the match was abandoned. That's it. So I have no idea what that means. I guess it means postponement, suspension, or whatever. But uh, again, I saw four different stories on this, and I was digging digging into it. I want to know. Did, who won? Did Nice get the victory? Are, is, it a is there any it? plan nope, to finish abandoned. the game? Don't know. Abandonment. <laughs> this match was abandoned. There you go. Refund I, all I, tickets, I, I guess. I, I guess you look, have to look at your house rules to yeah. see exactly how that's handled. Right. <laughs> abandoned, please. There you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> what do you got, man? All right. Well, you know, it's a different world today. And... But in some places, it's still not, you know. I guess one of the questions out there is, does a job have the right to say that you can or can't do something that is legal in other respects or more acceptable than it used to be? For instance, you can drink alcohol, you can smoke marijuana, but you can't do it when you go to work. Well, another uh, community that's very much ingrained in the world today is the LGBTQ community. And at Denver Valor Christian High School in Denver, their volleyball coach, Enoki Tonga, recently was posting stuff on Twitter in different places. And from his Twitter post, people started thinking, kind of sounds like he's gay. Okay, so the school administration called him in, said, Mr. Tonga, have you had a recent change in your life? No, I haven't had a recent change in my life. He said they kept on asking him that over and over and over again. 
And finally, he was kind of like, well, what are you getting to? What are you talking about? Well, have you recently made some Twitter posts? Yes. Have you posted that you're gay on Twitter? Well, yes, I am gay. I'm, I'm hoping to find the right man and get married someday and fall in love. And they were like, well, we're a Christian high school. You, you can't do that. And he was like, well, no, I can. And they're no, you can at our high school. So he's been fired. Now, he says he was fired and let go. The school says we gave him a couple options. He could either renounce that he was homosexual or he could leave the team because they couldn't have a gay teacher teaching their Christian students. Now, some of the parents are very mad because the girls' volleyball team loved him. He was a successful coach. They were having a lot of success. He came out and said, look, I held no animosity, but, you know, I mean, I never really tried to hide anything. I was posting into that, so... I don't even know where this goes in this day and age because I know that a lot of Christian schools in that they do have moral clauses in that where there's still certain things that you can and can't do. So I don't know exactly what's going to come of this. Did the school have the right to let him go because of his sexual preference being at a Christian school? Or did they let him go for something that you can't do anymore in this day and age? I don't know what's going to happen here. But it's kind of weird in 2021 that I'm, we're still even hearing about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I've coached at, at, at private schools, at, at Christian schools as well, too. And, you know, each school does have a private school. You know, they have their own code of honors and, you know, they call it ethics and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Or but morals again, clause. Morals clause, you know, absolutely. Well, everyone has morals clauses yeah. because, again, if, if you know. But, you know, in the Christian community, if you're not living up to a lifestyle uh, that they, you know, they condone, then they have the reason to uh, let you go. The big question here, was that in his agreement? Uh, usually you have to sign paperwork, you know, with this. And, and was that in there? Uh, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? But you're right. Here it is, you know, tw- you know 2021. And, and these type of stories, you know, are out there all the time. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, who jumps involved in this uh in this story, either to comes to the coach's defense or, or or what happens with this. And it's not like he was trying to hide anything. He was posting it on social media. Yeah. That's how they found out. So that tells me there maybe there wasn't anything that he signed off on that said, hey, you know, you, you know. Or maybe yeah. he didn't read all the paperwork yeah. of the stuff he was signing. Because, I mean, look, when you buy a car or a house, and who actually reads all the fine print? Yeah. And, you know, the school district will say, well, the private school will come back and say, hey, it's our decision. You know, we can fire you with cause. And, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's that, that, that's pretty sad to do that. All right, uh, Jalil Tucker is a four-star football recruit, and he was ready for his big announcement. You know how we see this all the time now. Got we, the hats on the yeah, console and everything. The reveal and party. Uh, you know, you're waiting for the drum roll yep, or the sound yep. or something. Where is he going to go to school? The big reveal. Well, they televise a lot of this stuff. Uh, fortunately, this wasn't on... You know, a major network. It was on uh, a smaller. Uh, I think it was could have been a a local television station sent their news team there, and, and this sort of thing. Fortunately that, or unfortunately, yeah. Well, <laughs> good point. Uh, so the big reveal came, and before they wanted to hear from Jaleel, they decided to interview Dad first. And you, uh, it, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, he's a good kid. Uh, lazy, but he's a good kid. Uh, and I know he's going to represent Oregon well. Oh. You heard the O's. Pops blew it. He dropped the bomb. He didn't let his kids say, well, do the hats, do the shirts. I'm going to the University of Oregon. No, Pops dropped it. Wow, too bad there wasn't uh, in-game wagering on where he was going to go there because you could have got it before he officially announced it. Pops, what are you doing? Right? Have you been watching something? So when I'm watching this thing, I'm going, well, okay, he's got green and gold on. Everyone's got green and gold on. The exact same green and gold as the University of Oregon. Although they have like 40 different uniforms. This is true. This is true. (laughs) But uh, technically, these school colors still, (laughs) you wouldn't know it, but uh, by by watching Oregon, yeah, is green and gold. So, but I guess those were his high school colors and everything. And uh, so, you know, I don't know. Pops just uh, either couldn't contain himself uh, or, you know, he did it on purpose. But how about this? Calling your kid lazy? On, on, on this is a day that 
your kid is going to remember, and you're supposed to remember for the rest of your life, he's getting a full-ride scholarship oh, he'll to remember a fine it now. institution? He'll remember it now. And you call your kid lazy, and then you say, oh, yeah, yeah he's lazy, but he's going to make Oregon proud. Oh, whoops. And then like he, he runs off and like, he's covering his head. So, yeah, did he do it on purpose or not? No, I think I know what happened. All right. I think I actually know what happened. He's going to Oregon, right? Yeah. He was at the Prefontaine track, mate. <laughs> he was partying with Shikari Richardson. And, uh, you know, he kind of lost his mind and it slipped out. A little ganja was happening. You know, There's a ganja in the air. She was last and he was first. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Uh, it would have been funny if the kid would have said, no, no, no. I'm going to be a beaver. Bust out some some black and orange. That would have been funny. But no, he said, so yeah, he got his moment And then stolen. everybody else rips off their t-shirts, but Pop is still in their green and gold because they're like, yeah, yeah. we knew we couldn't trust you. Yeah. I may be lazy, but I'm not stupid. See, that would have been a story right there. But instead, the kid, he goes, well, yeah. And he comes back and he says, I'm going to Oregon. <laughs> they're like, oh, yay. Yeah, thanks a lot, Pops. You blew it. Wow, what a buzzkill. I know. All right, man, send us out real quick. All right, well, let's do one more real quick. You know, there's a lot of talk all the time about who's the fastest player in the NFL. Mm. And we used to have the old superstars competitions where they'd race an end. We would kind of see. Well, Chris Johnson has said, don't even have that argument anymore. I'm the fastest player that ever played in the NFL. Yeah, there might be guys faster than me right now because I'm not training like that anymore. But forget about it. I was never caught from behind. I am the fastest. Well, Deion Sanders was run a, ran a 4.140 yard dash. Uh, but what Bob Hayes won a gold medal. Willie Galt was on a world. I mean, there's a lot of guys that were really fast. It always kind of kills me when somebody says they are the fastest. You don't know until they race. And there's football speed, and then there's track speed in that. Chris Johnson was very fast. Was he the fastest ever? And when I'm reading this story, I'm looking about all the names like Dion and Bo Jackson and this and this. I, uh, there were some guys before that were really – they were track stars and stuff yep. like that. Skeets, Nehemiah, right. people like that. So, you know, Chris Johnson, you were really fast. Are you the fastest ever? I would debate that quite uh, quite vigorously. You know, that whole speed thing is – unless you have a contest, it's just so debatable. But I guess, you know, what turns people off is when a guy says, I'm the fastest, I'm the best. It just falls in line with the Shikari Richardson situation, you know? Just, you know – uh, let your feet do the talking. You know, plain and simple. All right. Uh, maybe we'll hit some more Terrible Tuesday stuff uh, a little bit later on in the hour. But coming up next, we've got Houston Nut as we talk a little college football coming your way because it is the season and it starts on Saturday. Now, back to more of Las Vegas's favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, college football season is upon us, and yes, uh, Saturday, we've got some games going, and uh, we'll start diving into it, and the head coach, Houston Nutt, it's that time of year again, my man, down in McKinney, Texas, he's making pit stops everywhere, he's going to high school practices, he's talking to the team, he's getting ready to go to CBS Sports uh, this weekend or next week and get it all going Football season is here, Coach. Give me some barbecue. What's happening, my man? <laughs> it's time. It is here, my man. It's here. Hopefully, uh, we can uh, stay healthy. Everybody, stay in the stands. Let's let's stay buttoned up. Let's let's go now. Let's have a good one. All right. So, is this true? You over McKinney, Texas, firing up the guys over there? Uh, you know, McKinney High School. I am. Uh, that was a former player of mine, Marcus Shavers, is the head coach. Mm-hmm. Played for me at Arkansas. He's from Allen, Texas, and uh, had to go had to go talk to him. And also uh, Taylor Barnhill. <laughs> I got to get that's that. That's right. Got to get right. that. Go ahead. Taylor Barnhill is another young yeah. man that uh, his dad and I grew up, and he's at Northwest High School. So you know, if it, uh, these guys are kind of hitting a the wall, they needed one little uh, kind of pick me up, I guess. So it, it was good. I was good to watch him practice. It was fun. That's good. Now, did you bust out the old straw hat again? Uh, only when I'm when I'm outside now. When I'm outside, right. I, I learned long ago from my dad. Now he had a lot of skin ca- cancer taken oh. off. I started wearing that hat way back when. Yeah. So 
I didn't. I don't bust it out when I'm inside, but outside, yes. Okay, well, I didn't know if you were outside talking to the guys, and I know you you were probably talking to me inside. But I didn't know if you were out at practice yes, or whatever. Sir. There you go. So, right, right. there we go. There we go, my friend. All right. So uh, the barbecue. We have to have a barbecue update. Do you have a barbecue update for me? Did our friends ever open back up there? Haven't opened back up, but wow. I'm here within seven days now. Seven days. They're going to have it bigger and better. So I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm ready for them to get open. So, you know, a few weeks back, I was rolling through your great state of Texas. I know I was on the complete the other side there. I was over in Houston, your namesake, even though you're more on the other <laughs> side towards Dallas. And, this, and I was asking for some barbecue tips for me. And you're going, yeah, I don't recruit that area. I don't know that area. But uh, I, I ran into a couple barbecue spots. Not bad, but... I was blown away as I'm driving over to College Station, you know, from Houston, because I had to go to Kyle Field. I had to make my way to Kyle Field, get over to the 50-yard line, Coach. I I, I was impressed with Kyle Field and Texas A&M. That was was nice. I know you know that campus pretty well yourself. But tell me, what in the world is Bucky's? I mean, there's Bucky's all over the place here. You better tell people about Bucky's. Hey, Bucky's is the real deal now. Bucky's. Bucky's. First of all, there's 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 about 50 uh, gas uh, pumps, so you never have to wait. The pump the pump's waiting on you. Get your gas, okay. and then you go in. Hey, they're making some nice sandwiches for you. Pulled pork. Yeah, no, hold uh, on. Sausage. And I want you to. Yeah, you're doing a great job, but I know you got to break it down to Frank, and and because he's looking at me like Bucky's. What are you talking about? You're right. It's you okay. go you go fill up your gas. You do that, but and you're right. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but but you're describing it perfectly. Go keep going on, Coach. Well, I, I, Bucky's. If you had never been to Bucky's, it's basically a, a gas station, but it's combination of convenience store. You can go in there and shop for whatever you need. I don't care if you need back uh, some tailgating material, whatever you need. I mean, they have it. <laughs> and um, from uh, soda fountains to, but, but my favorite though is you can get you a nice sandwich. Uh, I, hey, if you want to get there in the morning, uh, they got a, a, an egg sausage. Cheese that is awesome, and uh, they got a candy department. They got beef jerky department. They got it all. They got barbecue. I heard they had a smoker there too. Oh, oh. no, they do. They do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, you go to Bucky's, you get the gas, you get the propane for the tailgate, you get a sandwich to uh, to tide you over, and then you go and do the tailgating before the game. It's all there. No question. Yeah. No question. The one stop shop. <laughs> I was blown away. Now, did you act, did you actually experience? Did you go in and a whole bit? I didn't because I was with some friends who drove down from Dallas. But here's the funny thing: so they're going to come and pick me up in Houston, and they go, "Oh, we're going to stop at Bucky's." I'm going, "What do you, what do you mean, Bucky's? We're we're, we're going to go eat. We're going, we're going to eat. What are you talking about?" So then, my friends, they send me a video of what's going on inside the store, and I'm, I'm seeing go, kids running all over the place. I'm seeing. Sm- Smoke coming in there. Goes the place on fire. They go, no, that's the barbecue. And then, so while we're driving Houston, they go, hey, there's another Bucky's over there. I go, so this is what you're talking about. I was blown away. Hey, I'm disappointed though. You didn't experience. You got to go in and experience Bucky's. Uh, all you got to do, you see the beaver on the on the big sign. Now you got to go, go, go to Bucky's. Well, we all love some beaver, no doubt about that. <laughs> You like yours well done? Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm a medium plus guy. That's it. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm going to save man. that. I'm going to save that trip when I come next time. I come to Dallas and see you. Okay, then come we're, on. we're going. We're going to Freddy's and we're going to Bucky's. How's that? And and, <laughs> that we're, and, and we're going to our favorite uh, barbecue place. Hutchins. Yeah, yeah. We're going to Hutchins, baby. That's right. That's w- which, by the way, coincidentally, <laughs> you said they're opening in seven days, just in time for the football season to start. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right, Houston, what is this season going to look like here? I mean, you're going to be back at work and everything. I know you're traveling back to New York with CBS. Uh, we've got our, you know, our Saturday games and everything. Uh, do you think this is going to be uh, closer to, to 2019 than 2020? And, and what are you expecting here? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's, it's, it's back to just about normal. Here's what I miss most, guys. I, miss, I, I just miss the the, the – the fans in the stands, you know, the games that were played when you had the empty stadiums and uh, or just a few people around, it just it wasn't the same. 
from the bands, the cheerleaders, the pageantry, all of it. You know, that's the thing that makes football so great to me is the the entire package, and especially, uh, you know, your fans that are tailgating and 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 when the noise levels at a very very high high level. There's nothing like it. So there really wasn't a home field advantage last year in my mind. But I'm hoping that you get back to normal, everybody stay safe, let's stay healthy, and let's go. Mm -hmm. Big Ten protocols, they said they're going to issue forfeits uh, if teams don't have enough players, uh, which I think is is a great move. They're kind of really approaching this more like the NFL, which they didn't do last year. LSU announces today they're going to require proof of vaccination or negative COVID tests within 72 hours of attending a game. So how do you see things in in place here uh, affecting games and attendance? Do you think that we're still going to you know run into this? Are we going to have forfeits, or do you think we're going to get a full season from everybody? Well, you just don't you know you don't know. I, I'm hoping we have a full season for everybody. I'm hoping it's going to be you know much much different than last year. But you don't know. You know you just don't know. You know I hear some numbers that are going up, and. Um, I, man, I'm just I'm just hoping, get fingers crossed, that that it, it'll be back as normal as it, as it can be, because uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, again, man, you don't you just don't ever know what what can happen around the corner. Texas, Oklahoma, they leave, are going to be leaving for uh, the SEC, leaving the Big Twelve here. I'm not crazy about this. Uh, you know, today they're talking about the alliance with you know these other conferences. You know, challenging the SEC now. Uh, I want your take on this, Houston, because a lot of people think that hey, okay, Texas and Oklahoma, you got the superpower conference, SEC. You know, really, it hasn't really worked out that well for. Texas A&M and Missouri, it takes a long time for these guys to get acclimated with the recruiting, uh, the style of play and everything. And I'm not sure that, that Oklahoma and Texas are going to be contenders once they join the SEC right away. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, when this, this kind of surprised me when, this, when the announcement first came out. I really thought it was just talk. But, man, lo and behold, you look up and it, it wasn't talk. It's for real. And Texas and Oklahoma – sought out Greg Sankey and called him, uh, which, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, wait a minute, Oklahoma's been to the playoffs the last few years. They're winning championships. Why do they want to do this? And so, to me, you know, again, you follow this money, uh, There's it's going to be big money. And you say Texas A&M, Missouri, hadn't, but if you look at the check they get for being in here, uh, being in the SEC, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yep. And so – when you look at everything, uh, now, of course, that causes what? Well, that causes the other conferences to say, hey, uh, we need to get on the phone. We need to start having some dialogue and discussion. What are we going to do? Because they got a super PAC going over there at SEC, and so now you hear the announcements today. And I, don't, I, I didn't really know what I heard today, but it, at least they're saying they're talking about it. Uh, it's about the best I could get out of it. But you got ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 all sitting there saying, Hey, we're going to find a way to work it out. What's bad is the Big 12 sitting there, and they're the ones that lost the two brand names. But what are they going to do? And um, so I don't know. I kind of, I kind of miss the, uh, you know, I, Oklahoma State course where I graduated from. I want them to have a home. I don't want anybody to be orphans. I want them to have a home. Are they going to go recruit Nebraska and get the old Big Eight back or Colorado? You know, you just, you just don't know. It's kind of like stay tuned. What's going to happen next? But here's what we do know. It's headed this way, guys. It's headed towards uh, these super packed conferences, and it's bigger gains, more money. You know, for years we've always heard about the Power Five conferences. Now there's a lot of talk that there's going to be the Power Four. Those four will be in the football playoff as long as they keep it four teams, and that all the conferences are going to go to 16 teams that are the Power Four. Do you see that happening, and do you see that if you don't get into one of those Power Four conferences – that basically you're not going to have any kind of shot whatsoever of ever winning a championship. Man, I tell you, that's what, that's what you don't know. It's so much unknown. And um, but here, here's here's to me what what's difficult is when you got these conferences that are super packed. You got a lot of teams now, and so now this scheduling is going to be tough. And then just take the ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC going to Pac-12. You're flying across the country. I mean. But, again, it's super PAC, and people are going to want to watch Clemson, USC, or, you know, whatever. But um, 
I just don't know. You know, it's just it's just a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, you say 2025 is when Texas, Oklahoma. But can you imagine, the guys, because remember, I was a part of uh, Coach Broyles, Frank Broyles, our athletic director. I was an assistant at Arkansas when he decided to lead the Southwest Conference. So I kind of got to – I understand a little bit. Uh, I understand now the vision he had. and But I'm going to tell you something. Those years that we were left and we're still playing the Southwest Conference, uh, people wasn't too hospitable now. TC, they wasn't really saying, hey, come on in. No, they were saying, why don't you get on out? We don't want you because you don't want to be a part of us. Get out. So you're going to have a lot of that. Texas, Oklahoma, get ready. Your phone's going to ring on Friday night in the hotel all night long when you go to these visiting places because guess what? You think they didn't like you? They really don't like you now. No, and I was going to bring that up because I remember, you know, the Southwest Conference going by the wayside, and and I thought it was tragic because you had some great – uh, rivalries there, you know, heightened, of course, by by Texas and Arkansas. And you remember you were part of that. And when we look at this, the Big 12, I mean, people are basically saying, okay, yeah. the, the Big 12 is done. How much danger is this conference, Houston? And I don't get it because the Big 12 still has some marquee schools. I don't know why this thing, you know, you know, can't work there instead of maybe just, you know, abolishing it the way they did with the Southwest Conference. But how do you see this thing going with the Big 12? Well, see, that's that's the that's the one conference uh, that that kind of blows my mind. Kind of gets left out, yep. and they're the ones that had the two brand names leave. And so, you know, it, it's just it's a little surprising because, like we said, when we, on the on the very first question, is it surprises me because Oklahoma had been to the championship games. They've been to the Final Four. Uh, they 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 won their Big Twelve and and made it there. And so. You know, I, I know it's easy for them to say, well, we're, we're going to be just fine. We played Georgia toe-to-toe. Well, you know, you had a few days to get ready for Georgia. The thing that's different that Lincoln Riley and everybody will find out, the thing that's different is when you play uh, Georgia, then you play Alabama, then you play Florida, then you play Auburn, back to back to back. It's the grind of it. And so to answer your question, go back around to, to, to the Big 12 to get back there, I, I don't know. TCA, yeah. it's 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 really kind of sad. Now TCU has been in this position before. Uh, they've been in two or three different. They've been in the Mountain West. They've been in what uh, Big East. They've been in a lot of different conferences. So this is not new to them. But it's the schools like Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. What are they going to do? And who can they bring in there or recruit to to keep the Big Twelve going? I don't know because you lost two powerful names. Mm-hmm. You know, one school that I find interesting, and I'm curious to see what they do, if they do have these Power Four conferences, and they're basically going to say, look, the winner of each conference is going to go to our football championship, and that's it, what does a team like Notre Dame do, who prides himself on being independent? We know they're in the Big East in basketball, but in football, are they going to be forced to get in one of these conferences if they want a chance to play for a championship in football? That's a real good question. That's a real good thought because Notre Dame does have that name. They've been independent. Uh, they they have their own TV package, money wise, and they're they're a team that you'd think, you know, they 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 dabbled in the ACC. They kind of dabbled in that, and and now you know you don't you don't hear that much about what they're doing, or they're just kind of just sitting in the weeds. They're waiting. But the one thing about Notre Dame is they have the name nationwide uh, to do what they want to do to jump in one of these conferences. So, but it's it's a it's a good good conversation about Notre Dame. There's no question about it. Yeah, Houston Nutt joins us, the football coach, and of course, fantastic job on the CBS Sports Network. College football starts this weekend. Houston, we got one game that's a little bit interesting: Nebraska and Illinois. Uh, both of these teams have got some coaches could be in some hot water here, but uh, you know it is probably the most attractive game. Uh, and the Big Ten is kicking it off early. Uh, Nebraska, Illinois. What do you think? I'm looking forward to it. You know, because of course Nebraska. I thought it was kind of when I think about Nebraska. I remember playing. There's a player, a Oklahoma State. We'd go there. They would whoop us so good, and then the fans would be there. I mean, it was sold out, seventy thousand plus, and they would clap for us as we went in the dressing room, like <laughs> thanks for coming. It was such a whooping. You know, hey, thanks for coming. We just whooped you real good, but they were really good and polite. I mean, I love Nebraska fans, but what I don't like is. 
what what I read the past few days on Scott Frost uh, about analysts that are coaching and and, and didn't didn't practice at the wrong time during COVID. I mean, it just seems like to me, you know, it may be coming from the inside. When I say when you're when you're down, when things aren't going right, it looks like there's always a few that try to just um, kick you while you're down. Uh, but I, I just keep looking for uh, Scott Frost to get this thing turned around, but he's got to fight some outside noise and pressure. This first game is critical, guys. It is so critical uh, to Illinois. Now, Coach Bielema's there now, uh, back in the Big Ten, and uh, a lot of people excited about him and, you know, more going to control the ball more. We all know Scott Frost can coach. We've seen what his team's done at, uh, at UCF. And uh, that's what's kind of sad, you know, when you when you when you read some of these things that's going on. But uh, this game, make no doubt about it, uh, this is a, a critical game for Scott Frost, and I think it's going to be a good one. I can't wait to see this one. All right, I got two real quick questions for you, and you can hit them how you want here. Okay, uh, is All it right. is it Alabama and everyone else in the SEC? And then I want you to give me a surprise team or two to watch out for this year. Okay. Alabama, yeah, I always say, well, no one can use the word next better than Nick Saban. It's unbelievable. He gets the best players every year. But saying that, you lose Mac Jones. And I was quickly say, well, you lost to a tongue of my low, and here comes Mac Jones. Didn't know anything about him, and he breaks his records. But Nadja Harris gone. You got Devontae Smith gone. Uh, I just think he says next better. I, I think that they'll be fine. I think they'll they'll win the, the SEC championship. I don't think they'll score more. Here's what I think, though, TC. Their defense. Yep. Their defense will be better. they got a lot coming back. Watch Will Anderson. Watch him. Uh, these guys are physical and tough. I, I just think the defense will carry him until Bryce Young kind of gets his yeah, feet underneath him. Um, as far as teams to look for, hey, really look out for uh, – keep your eyes on North Carolina State. Okay. I think, uh, boy, they're they're physical, they're tough, and he's got a lot of players coming back. They know what they're doing. Coach Dorian has it going. Watch North Carolina State. I know everybody's talking about uh, uh, Mac Brown, who's done a great job with the Tar Heels because he has Sam Howell. But watch North Carolina State, guys. Watch that team. I, like I think that they're going to be tough. And the other game you better watch out for <laughs> Keep your eyes on Louisiana Lafayette versus Texas, the very first game, guys. Louisiana Lafayette, uh, you don't want to play them. They're all back. About 10 starters on both sides. Hey, Steve Sarkeesian, get ready. Get ready because this is not just a, okay, we're just going to play a nice little Louisiana directional school. No, you better buckle up now. Buckle up both chin straps. These guys right here think they can beat you. I love it. Houston Nett is uh, coming with an upset already. Louisiana Lafayette. I'm going to the sports book right after the show, my man. There you go. <laughs> right after right after I give me some Freddies. I don't know. I gotta get my get Freddies you first. Some Freddy's. There you go. Get you some Freddies. Give me that jalapeno pepper jack burger, my friend. There we go. You can go to the sports book mm. during the break. You can have a phone. That's a good point. <laughs> All right. There we go. In the palm of my hand. All right, my man. Hey, uh, we'll look forward to to seeing you on TV. We'll look forward to hopefully talking with you uh, during the course of the season. I know you're a busy guy. Appreciate you big time, brother. You bet. Thanks for having me, guys. Take, take care. care. There he is, Houston Nutt uh, at CBS Sports, uh, getting ready for the college football season. Look at that. Coming already with an upset special. Uh, g- give me a surprise team. Boom. Goes right away. Louisiana Lafayette over Texas. By the way, in the Big Ten, Bucky is the mascot of Ohio State. So, <laughs> <laughs> Bucky needs to gas it up over there, okay? Gas it up, baby. All right, appreciate Houston Net. All right, we come back. Showtime, Sean Poor to the two-time welterweight champ. He's going to join us next hour. And plus, we'll take you around some NFL training camps. And we got getting ready for the final week, thank goodness, of preseason football. <laughs> 